This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a podcast of Checkpoint on Joy 94.9. Yes, you are here on Checkpoint on Joy, giving a one-up to diversity in video games. We are a weekly broadcast taking you through the most exciting industry in the world, the video game industry from a uniquely queer perspective, broadcasting live out of the Victorian Pride Centre here in St Kilda on traditional Kulin Nations land. My name is Luke and I am in severe recovery after a massive weekend last week as part of Melbourne International Games Week. Of course, it was PAX and we have a jam-packed, packed? Jam-packed. I missed the opportunity here today to talk all about the week that was. I'm joined by the lovely Lisa. Hello, Luke. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I feel like I've seen a lot of you over the last couple of weeks. I know. I'm loving it, to be it's, honest. It's I great. love seeing your face. And ah. yeah, I'm exhausted too, eh? Like... With like full time work, packs, it's like it's been a it's been a big week. It's been an amazing week, but yeah, exhausting. Living the absolute dream, not gonna lie. True. And we've also got Colby here. Hey all, how's it going? Uh, yeah, good. H- how are you feeling after a big weekend last weekend? Very, very tired. Many thousands of steps. I think I worked out it was about mm-hmm. a 10k walk I was doing every okay. day at PAX. Yeah. So it was a big one. It's pretty impressive. I think I did lose a few of the COVID kilos over the last weekend myself. <laughs> um, but we are joined by a special guest, uh, someone that you might have seen around PAX. You definitely would have seen their super cool merch booth along with Justice Sucks, which was part of PAX last weekend. It's Nicholas McDonald, Managing Director at Samurai Punk. Hello. Hey, how you all doing? It's oh, good to be back. It's, it's great to have you. Yeah, because you were on the show a couple of years ago. Yeah, I was here talking about Feather, like, I think in 2018 or 2019. It's cool. been a long time. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, long enough that you've got a whole other game that's come out, which yeah, is great. Well, yeah. Time has flown. We've, uh, we developed it through COVID and now we're back here. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so good to have you here. Um, obviously part of the Australian game developer community and here talking all about Games Week and PAX. Um, so I'm sure you're tired too. So thank you for being here. Oh, I'm, I'm wrecked, especially after breaking my foot during Games Week. Yeah, that was uh, like an extra challenge you wanted to put on yourself. Yeah, yeah like, it's a, uh, you know, we need to make a charter every single year and this is how I excelled this year. <laughs> you were like, let's go hard mode. Yeah. Like, <laughs> go hard or go home. Yeah. Go for it. Um, but yeah, so good to have you, Nick. And, uh, um, yeah, let's get stuck into the show today. Super excited to talk all about PAX. Uh, you know, did you go to PAX last weekend? Were you there at Melbourne International Games Week? What did you see? What did you do? SMS 0427JOY949, or you can email on air at joy.org.au. You can also check us out on social media at CheckpointAU on Twitter and Instagram, or Checkpoint Gaming on Facebook. Let's get cracking on with the show. Fiddling with joysticks and smashing the D-pad. Tell us, have you been playing with yourself? Oh yeah, uh, we have been playing a lot of games uh, and you know we're going to talk more about the games that we saw at PAX later on in the show, but I mean there was one um, that we did manage to play at PAX 
Uh, funnily enough, um, because there weren't sort of the Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo folk at PAX, the biggest game at PAX was Sonic Frontiers. Uh, I reckon it would have been the biggest, even if the others were there. <laughs> the, the queue was massive all weekend. I mean, it, actually, I was uh, genuinely surprised at the massive like couple of hours wait to play Sonic Frontiers. Um, definitely benefited from being the uh, one of the big fish uh, there at PAX. But Colby, I know you are like the biggest Sonic fan I've met in my entire life. I think all of Checkpoint are secret Sonic fans. Like, that was the first thing we all did. <laughs> I think when we arrived at PAX, everyone from Checkpoint headed straight for Sonic. Well, I didn't want to line up for two hours, so I was like, this is the goal. Like, yeah. straight to Sonic. <laughs> I, I just wanted to check it out. I just, I was just curious, to be honest. But, I, I mean, yeah, sure, I'm a, I'm a great Sonic, I'm a big Sonic fan. But I, I, also, heard, I also heard a rumour that you got to meet Sonic. I did meet Sonic. Wow. I got my, right. fo- got my photo taken with Sonic. It was yeah. a PAX highlight. Yeah. And so did many other people as well. Never so. seen you so happy. I've never been so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but look, um, I mean, look. You yeah, got let's to talk go. about the game. Yeah, yeah, we got to go. It was a 15-minute demo at PAX for those who were there and got a chance to play it. Uh, Sonic Frontiers, kind of this... Big open world Sonic, um, Sonic of the Wild, people are calling it. <laughs> uh, you know, running around, collecting rings and grinding on rails and fighting these weird creatures. Colby, what did you think? Because there's been a bit of uh, controversy or about the previews of this game. Some people think it looks cool. Some people are not into the style. What's your vibe as a Sonic fan? Well, it's definitely not Breath of the Wild, you know what I mean. And you can check out my write-up on CheckpointGaming.net. But yeah, there's no breaking weapons, right? There's no cell shading. There's, you know, none of that rubbish. It's just Sonic running around, having fun. Um, I think it actually turned out a little bit better than I thought it would. I'm not sure about what it'll be like full length, though. Mm. What I found weird about it is it's kind of lacking a bit of that kind of sonic energy and like life. Mm. You know, you're kind of running around this big world, and yeah, like it's green and it's like pretty and stuff, I guess. But the music's really like background, somber, like really chill vibes. And you're like fighting these enemies and like bouncing off them and stuff, and they're kind of like robots for some reason. And I don't know, it just didn't feel like it was cohesive as a game. But I didn't hate playing it, though. Like, when the demo time finished, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I, w- I want to explore more of this world. I want to play some more of this. But, yeah, it was Did an Did it get you vibe. interested in the full game? I'm, I'm, I'm still interested, yeah. yeah. It didn't put me off it, that's for sure. Like, I don't think it made me feel like, oh, this is crap, you know? But it definitely feels like a bunch of different ideas thrown together into a Sonic game. And the main thing that's missing as well is, like, the speed of the little guy, you know? I still got your boost button. Yeah, he, he still he goes pretty fast. Pretty fast, okay. But he could go faster, you know? But on, on the, like, <laughs> what they call the little, like, ramps and, yeah, the, the rails and stuff, he goes quite fast. But when he's just kind of walking around, he's not too fast, is he? Well, well he's, he's faster point, than walking speed. Point, I mean, yeah. I don't know whether he's light speed. He's definitely <laughs> not light speed. But the thing I found as well, though, is, like, you know, you have this world to explore, and if you go too fast, like, there were parts where I just, like, ran past and I caught a glimpse of something in the corner of my eye, and I was like, oh, oh crap, I have to go back. And, and so you mm-hmm. kind of slow down and, like, leisurely walk over to see what it was, and then you kind of continue on your path, you know? So Can you spin dash in it? I'm not sure if I tried. I, I thought I, I forgot to try I, it. I don't know. I'm not sure on the whole, like, circling enemies to damage them and stuff as well. You hold down the button oh, and you yeah. create a circle and that causes damage. Like, I don't know if I love that. It feels a bit slow, too. It's kind of janky, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the demo, the demo build that was at PAX could have been one from months ago as well. Um, mm. And there's been a lot of feedback and changes since then, we hope. The game launches next month, yeah, so... Fingers are well and truly crossed. Are you excited, Colby? You're like a day one purchase or what? I'm a little bit more... I'd say I'm I'm a bit iffy about 
it's not that sugar rush that you get from a Sonic game, so mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about that. But will yeah. I be playing it? Absolutely, I shall. Yeah, right. Uh, Nick, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Have you? Um, I know it's been a games week <laughs> and like hectic times for yourself and the whole team at Samurai Punk and everyone in the in the Melbourne, Australia games industry. But have you had any time to play anything cool lately? Uh, not at PAX. I was going to say that like while I'm at PAX, there's just not a chance to leave the booth. Of course. Um, but I have been playing some Hyper Demon, uh, also an Australian game. Hyper Demon. What is know. that? So it is I, apparently it is a sequel. I mean, it's definitely a sequel to Devil Daggers, which is a game made by a local developer named known as Sorath. Um, it is a hyper-fast, hyper-aggressive FPS in the style, I guess in the style of, like, Quake 1. Um, it's also kind of like an LSD trip, uh, and it's all about going fast, unlike Sonic, uh, <laughs> and and uh, killing demons uh, in this, like, beautiful and scary world. Uh, and it's just this gorgeous, um, extremely <laughs> painful, visceral experience that I'll never forget. Nice. Yeah, um, looking, I've been talking in an hour. It's, uh, yes, yeah, tapping into that kind of score based first person shooter style, oh, yeah. right? Like sort of fast paced, intense. It has the most polished leaderboard I've ever seen. Oh, when really? I, when I beat my friends on the leaderboard, the, the leaderboards, as it as I pass them, it goes slow mo and has different sound effects as you pass your friend. Like it, it knows exactly what it is. The game is, it is a score chasing FPS with one level and like one setting. And it's all about crushing your friends on the leaderboard or right. crushing the global leaderboards. That's pretty satisfying. It, it, yeah, it's very focused. Yeah, and how how long would a, a run in this game normally go? Anywhere from one second to five minutes, maybe. Wow. Okay. In, yep. Super intense. Yeah, just like the frequ- the the first game was scored entirely on time. So in Devil Daggers, the first game, it was all about how long can you survive. This one, you actually are scored on um, not like on points. Uh, so your time is going down constantly. Your timer, which is your score. Yep. And you're trying to push it up by getting kills. And if you are delaying or not killing monsters, your timer is going down. So you'll end up in negative points. Jeez. And, okay, right. Yeah, and more enemies will spawn the faster you kill them. So it's this constant push or pull of like, the more skilled you are, you're sort of pushing the limits of what you're capable of and the amount of things on screen. Wow. Um, and on top of that, the game has uh, this, in this really strange but compelling uh, 360 degree vision. So it's an F first person game where you get to see behind you in a sort of rear view mode uh, where enemies will appear on your front screen, uh, kind of like a lens distortion of the, your third eye behind you. Um, it's very hard to describe with words. Yeah. But uh, if, no. you like, if you like uh, hardcore classic FPS games, you should try it. It sounds cool. Hyper Demon. Uh, and made here in Australia made as well. Made here in Australia, yeah. Oh, God, I love that. Yeah. You know, I love there's like so many little games like that that I wouldn't even know exist. And it's like Aussie made. And even just looking online briefly, it seems to be reviewing pretty well. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, came out um, a couple of weeks ago. So definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, I um, actually had my chance to play a game in advance. Um, it was announced a couple of weeks ago from EA and Koei Tecmo. It's the new take on Monster Hunter called Wild Hearts. So this is basically trying to, I guess, offer a really kind of, I guess, more mainstream alternative to Monster Hunter because Monster Hunter's always been like really difficult to kind of get into if you haven't played it before. It's very intimidating. I love the series, but totally appreciate that it is like not for everybody. And if you haven't played it before, it's super daunting. Too many menus, too many things to do. Very confusing game. So Wild Hearts is this kind of new take on it. Um, It's part of the EA Originals program. So that's the one 
one where you saw like It Takes Two and other games like that as part of the other studios at EA. Um, but yeah, Koei Tecmo have made some of the, the Warriors games before, more like Musuo style, um, and also another monster hunting game called Tukiden uh, many years back. But yeah, Wild Hearts looks really cool. It's um, basically got these giant monsters. Um, they're called Kimono in this game. And they're these like giant beasts. So picture like a giant boar with big sort of tusks and all this rat that has flowers kind of sprouting out of its body and stuff like that. It's set in like a fantasy feudal Japan setting. So like visually, it's really cool to see. Um, and the monsters are kind of fused with nature. So like the rat, for example, will like spawn trees from the ground to like mess you up. Or, you know, some of the other monsters will play with the weather and change the weather environment to make it more difficult to hunt them and stuff like that. So it has a cool style in terms of the world itself. And it has this other cool mechanic in the game that's new um, called Karakuri, which is an ancient technology that you basically find in the game. And it essentially allows you to build structures on the fly. So you know like in Fortnite where you can just like chuck down a structure really fast and it builds in like a second in front of you? Mm. Hate that. <laughs> hate this is a Colby game, okay. Hate it in Fortnite or hate it in general? Hate it in Fortnite. <laughs> I mean, I hate it in Fortnite too, that's why I play zero build mode. But, As do I. Um, but in this game, it's really cool. So the monsters are huge, right? You've got to like climb them or even find weak spots on their back. So you can, for example, quickly build this structure, climb off it, and then launch off the top of it to land on the monster's back. Or you can quickly build like a turret and actually shoot arrows from this giant turret through this monster. So it has this kind of idea where you're using these ancient technologies to build structures that help you in battle. Um, which, yeah, is a pretty interesting take on monster hunting, I think. Does it does it all work? Like, it sounds like there's a lot of new mechanics in there. How, how does it how does it flow? Does it flow well? I was worried about that, to be mm. honest. I thought, how is this going to work? And I got some, I got literally like, you know, 10 hours hands-on with this game. And, yep. you know, in practice, it actually works really well. Cool. Um, you know, the building is assigned to one button and you have like a couple of options within that button to kind of choose to build. And it does happen very quickly. Um, yeah, the monsters are quite big, but they don't move super fast. So you don't feel like there's heaps of pressure to build fast as well. You can kind kind of choose your spots. I imagine there'll be other monsters later that are quite challenging, mm. but no, it, it seems to work pretty well. And then sort of underneath all of that, it has the standard sort of monster hunter tropes that you have where you can play with friends, with co-op, so you can hunt together, which is really cool. So I got to dabble in three-player co-op a little bit. And then you've got, you know the monsters can get parts of them like lopped off which makes them weaker and they'll retreat and try and run away from you and then you can use those monster parts to build better mm. armor and better weapons and stuff like that but it just seems like they're really trying to make it more accessible than monster hunter was and try and make it a bit more mainstream yeah so do you think this is like an entry point for people who want to get into monster hunter do you think yeah or, i think yeah? so i think yeah. yeah i think people who who avoid monster hunter because mm. it's complicated could find a really nice balance with this game uh it comes out in February on February 17th it's on PS5 Xbox Series XS and PC I think it has a whole lot of potential and could definitely work really well for those who are intimidated by its inspirations so really keen to check it out when it launches Wild Hearts and the full write-up is on checkpointgaming.net that's the games we've been playing over the last couple of weeks but stay with us here on Checkpoint we're going to get stuck into the news and all the PAX gaming goodness you can handle right here on Joy. With the games industry constantly evolving and exciting new things around every corner, it can be hard to keep up. That's why Checkpoint is here with all the biggest gaming details of the week and the stories that matter to you. It's time for the news. 
Yes, let's get stuck into the news of the week. And I will say, you know, we were a bit busy last Saturday. We were at PAX running around ourselves. So we've kind of got a couple of weeks of news to to take you through today. Uh, We've tried to sort of carve out the biggest announcements. And I guess one that we do want to start off with is um, as part of Melbourne International Games Week on the Wednesday evening was the Australian Game Developer Awards 2022, uh, where they unveiled the winners in all the categories. Um, As we've said before, many of us on Checkpoint were involved as judges in the Australian Game Developer Awards this year. So uh, it was really cool to be part of the process and kind of see who took home the big awards. Um, And Lisa, you even attended the awards night yourself with a Checkpoint crew? Sure did. It was an it was an awesome night. Um, I've never been to the Agdas before, and just that sense of community, and and everybody kind of, and bumping into people, go, oh hi, I haven't seen you for a while. How are you going? And and seeing you know the Australian game industry celebrated. Um, it was it was a lot of fun and really kind of like I don't know inspiring to be a part of it as well. Yeah, so cute. You were right. Being there. You were beaming. You looked really pretty on the night too, I will say. Aw, thank you. <laughs> but uh, everyone did. Everyone dressed up and it's... Yeah, it was a gorgeous event. I mean, it was, mm. this is its first time in the forum as well. In yeah. prior years, it's been in all... I don't even know the names of the venues because it keeps moving. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of like um, everyone was really dressed up uh, mm. and the, the new venue and uh, the quality of the production of the whole event kind of... It was kind of like a glow up for the industry. I mean, after COVID, you know, it's cool to see just like everyone come together and sort of show how much we matured as an industry and like we're able to have an event like that compared to having been to prior events it's not quite at the same level nice. so it was really it really also it was really excellent to see everyone over again yeah, yeah of course i mean that's that's the vibe of this year's um games week and packs all together was just like wow we get to see everybody again after such a long time um but yeah i mean everyone looked great at the actors and i know uh, i look forward to fugies i couldn't make it i was unwell but um i was living vicariously through all the photos and videos i was seeing online um <laughs> Let's go through some of the winners. Um, so, um, Cult of the Lamb, I guess, was the bigger, big winner of the evening. It won Game of the Year um, over its uh, very good competition in Wildflowers and Heavenly Bodies. Um, Cult of the Lamb also took out Excellence in Art and Excellence in Gameplay and Excellence in Music. So, definitely did a really good, like... Not, not, not a full sweep, but like definitely won some of the big awards of the night and... Um, I mean, we love Cult of the Lamb. Um, of course, we've had Julian on the show previously talking about the game, and uh, they were going off at PAX as well. Like, their booth always had people around. We, we lined up to, to buy a lamb plushie, like, straight away. And if we hadn't done that, Lisa, we wouldn't have gotten one. I know. By, um, <laughs> by the Sunday, I went past the booth, and everything had gone. Yeah. Like, T-shirts, pins, everything. all the st- And the Steam codes had gone, too. Like, I was just like... And Luke and I kept on looking at each other being like... We did the right thing going in early. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just so cool um, to see the success of, of Cult of the Lamb and congratulations to them for winning those awards. Um, some other big winners in the mix there. We had uh, Wildflowers took out Excellence in Narrative, which is so cool. And they also won the award for Excellence in Mobile Games which is really cool to see. Uh, and then we had Heavenly Bodies, One Excellence in Sound Design, uh, Age of Darkness, Final Stand, One um, Excellence in Technical Design, because uh, that's a game where you just have so many 
um, creatures and characters on screen doing things at one given time. So pretty impressive stuff. Um, Lost and Hound won excellence in accessibility, uh, which was so cool to see as well. And then we had Table of Tales take out the excellence in AR VR category and Kinder World in excellence in serious games. And then we had Queer Man peering into a rockpool.jpg winning excellence in emerging games. Uh, along with the Oregon Trail winning excellence in ongoing games. So definitely, you know, great to see. And, you know, congratulations not just to the winners, but to, like, anybody that was nominated and even the many, many games that would have been in the mix that weren't up for the nomination in that category, right? Because there's so many amazing games. There's only three nominations per category uh, every year. I feel like they should do like five in each category to kind of yeah, get... Definitely. You agree? Yeah, I think they should definitely expand. They do an honourable mention as well. So a lot of these categories, I think, had either one or two additional honourable mentions. Yeah. But, you know, it's about celebrating everyone, not just the winners. And I think a, an actual extension would be a, a good improvement to the system. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you have like a Cult of the Lamb, which obviously like excelled in so many areas and obviously was part of so many categories. But, I mean, you're looking at like, you know, excellence in gameplay. And of course, um, you know, Nick, your game was in the mix there as well, I should say, um, up for a couple of categories, including... Excellence in sound design as well. But, I mean, yeah, Justice Sucks was up for the Excellence in Gameplay Award, which is so cool. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, we were also in the... We got a techni- we got a nod in technical design as well. Nice. Which is excellent. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, there's so many great games. And I think, you know, looking at the nominations, there's lots of games that were in multiple categories. Exactly. And I just feel like even some of the games that I played as part of the judging, there's plenty others that could have definitely mm. been in the mix and deserved, like, a shout-out in the same sort of way. So... Yeah. You know yeah. what? Either way, this list is like just the, the games you need to play in 2022, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, especially Justice Sucks. But oh. yes. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's a fantastic list of games. Um, they all, I will say as well, like all so different, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you're looking at this list of games and like none of them are like the other ones, you know? They're all True. like different genres, different styles, yep. different visual styles, totally different sound design and audio styles. You know, they're all completely unique. Um, and that's just, I guess, just a small taste of what makes our industry over here so special. So yeah, congrats again to all the winners uh, and nominations and everybody uh, in the Australian Game Developer Awards. Uh, in other news, though, uh, there was a pretty big announcement from the CD Projekt Red crew over the last couple of weeks. Um, they essentially did a bit of a, a bit of a showcase situation of talking about what they're doing in the future. It was called a group strategy update. Uh, it included a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077. It's codenamed Orion. I'm going to say Orion. Um, <laughs> Orion, I reckon. Orion. Like the planet. That's, oh, okay. how, I, that's yeah. how I suspect it is. Well, um, pronounced. I'm sure it'll be called <laughs> Cyberpunk 2078 when it actually comes out. But, um, it's, you know, uh, obviously Cyberpunk 2077, you know, releasing a couple of years ago, quite a controversial release, um, had a lot of problems on launch, um, had a lot of PR problems leading up to launch. Mm. Uh, felt like it was in our headlines most weeks. But, yeah, interesting they're already, you know, working on a sequel. I guess the first one did do pretty well for them still, and it's justified them doing an ongoing franchise. Colby, you're a big fan of the Cyberpunk 2077, so I know you pretty much played every element of that game until you had to finish it. Like, you did not want to... There's nothing left on the map. You were messaging me, you were like, I'm about to finish it, and I was like, Colby, it's been a year. Like, you've been playing it for so long. Um, So you must be excited. And then I started again. Um, Yeah, well, the thing is, it's probably not going to come out in the next 10 years. Sure. You know what I mean? So I think it's great that they are looking to do a sequel at some point in time. 
Um, but I just don't have the energy to be hyped about something that I'm not going to see till I'm in my 40s. <laughs> what, about, uh, what about the DLC? You must be hyped about that, though. That's yeah, that'll be next cool. Year. Well, if it does, but... Yeah, how, how about the Witcher... New Witcher stuff. Well, that's the thing too. They announced a bunch of Witcher projects too. And, you know, Witcher has been a bit quiet in terms of video games over the last Mm. couple of years. Mm. But, of course, the Netflix series has gone gangbusters. Um, So, yeah, we're going to have... Sirius being developed by the Molasses Flood, which will be an innovative take within the Witcher universe, aimed at both long-term fans and newcomers alike. Um, there'll be these are all code names at the moment. So another one's Polaris, which is uh, or Polaris, which is the start of a new Witcher trilogy being developed by CD Projekt Red themselves. Uh, apparently, it will use Unreal Engine Five and kick off the, se- the th- next three games over a six-year time frame, which is good. I guess it's one every two years. That's that's ambitious. Again. Well, it's, it's more frequently <laughs> than we've got previous Witcher games, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, another open-world RPG that's story-driven, uh, Nick, codenamed Canis Majoris. Uh, <laughs> again, set in the Witcher universe, developed by an unknown third-party studio. And then another game announced, uh, codenamed Hadar, Hadar, which is set to be a brand-new IP, totally different from both of those universes. So, I mean, it CD sounds Project like they've Red. got a bit too much going on. It's you know what I mean? This is, this is a bit of <laughs> I'm looking at the game developer in the yeah, room and I'm like... I'm just like crying looking at the schedule. I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, they have a lot of studios in-house, not just CEO Project Red. They yeah. have like, you know, they have the Molasses Flood. They have all these outsource groups. But the production schedule is very, very, um, yeah, ambitious, I think is the right word. I mean, I've just reeled off like seven games, basically, <laughs> uh, in three different IPs. Which apparently are coming on. out within the next six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... Um, you right, it's enough to make you cry. Like, if you think about the workload that they're about to take on. It makes me want to cry not having time to play all these games mm. at that time period. These are all massive games. Like, this is yeah. known for making massive mm. games. Exactly. Like, The Witcher 3 was such a huge game. The idea of three Witcher games in six years, like, I'm still going to be playing the first one of this trilogy when the trilogy's all released, <laughs> you know? Like, give me a break. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's exciting because these franchises, obviously, for better or worse, um, are huge names, um, well-made for the most part. I mean, The Witcher especially is known as one of the kind of best action RPGs of all time. People love that series, myself included. Um, pretty keen to see where they go with it as well after the third Witcher. So, yeah, I mean, the potential is very exciting, that's for sure. I, I'm just a bit nervous because CD Projekt Red seem to do this thing where they're like, we're developing this game and it's coming out in 20 years and then they just build up on it and there's a lot of hype like with Cyberpunk and then it just kind of all goes to crap. So I'm just a little bit nervous <laughs> about that. And let's just hope they don't uh, release any like really good trailers like they did last time. <laughs> yes. That'll protect and, like, them. Oh, yeah, of course. And, we have to get ready yeah. for five years' worth of E3 trailers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. at least E3 is happening again, so it might happen. Um, but yeah, I think as well, uh, you know, from what I've seen over the years with different developers and publishers, when they do a massive stuff up like Cyberpunk was on its launch, I feel like they can't do it again. You know, I think like Bethesda's in a pretty similar place right now after Fallout 76, like they can't F up Starfield, you know, like they just can't afford to. And that's why we're seeing these games get delayed and delayed and delayed. I was still polishing. We're still working on it. It's because they really can't afford to release a stinker because you have a couple in a row. You start losing that kind of trust from your fan base and you start losing the trust from consumers and then they're not going to buy your games anymore. And I feel like CD Projekt Red is in that space now where Cyberpunk was controversial. They can't do that. The next Witcher game has to be good. Otherwise, it's kind of going to be all over in a way. But, like, um, Cyberpunk's doing really well on PC at the moment, though. Like it's yeah, it's had a resurgence because of the, the anime on Netflix. Yeah, the anime. Apparently the anime's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a cool universe. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, say what you want about cool. it. It's a cool universe. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, curiously what they do. But we've got mm-hmm. some more gaming goodness to talk about right here on Checkpoint on Joy, broadcasting nationwide on the Community Radio Network. Follow Checkpoint on social media to get all the latest news as it happens, competitions, reviews, and connect with other gamers. Like us on Facebook, Checkpoint Gaming, or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at CheckpointAU. Yes, do all the socials. We do really cool competitions and stuff like that, plus finding out all the latest gaming news and more. But yeah, you are here on Checkpoint on Joy, here with Luke, Lisa, Colby, and special guest Nick from Samurai Punk, uh, talking through the news of the week. Now, um, a game that's had a bit of a, a rocky launch over the last couple of weeks is Overwatch 2. Um, you know, it was um, the first Overwatch uh, effectively shut down uh, to make way for Overwatch 2, so the player base had to move across. But it's had some problems. Um, so straight away, um, there were some DDoS attacks, um, there were glitches which left heroes unavailable for play, and also um, in terms of playing the game, you had to have a phone number to What's play Overwatch that? 2. Yeah, it was part of this system they had in place as like a two-factor authentication situation mm. called SMS Protect. Um, it required players to sign up with an active phone number as a solution to like cheating and toxicity and bullying and stuff like that online. But the thing is, is not all phone plans and contracts were available within that project. So certain players, including people who use like prepaid phone plans instead, were like not able to play Overwatch 2. <laughs> so imagine like downloading it and being like, sorry, you can't play because your phone number is not valid and you don't have another phone number. Like, what would you do? And it makes me feel a bit nervous that they're taking people's phone numbers because so many kids play this game. Yeah. As well. So that, what, they're going to have all these kids' numbers as well? Like, I don't know, it kind of makes me... Mm. Yeah. Are they going to text people promotions? They probably will. Oh, yeah, of course. I yeah. I guess, you know, people were labelling it as discriminatory as well because it locks out people <coughs> from lower social economic mm. backgrounds as well, you know. Um, so, look, Blizzard has announced they're going to change the policy, um, allowing those with a previous Battle.net account to play without needing to attach a phone number. But for new accounts, you do need to have um, a phone number attached to it still. So, it's still not a perfect solution um and just a side note um i heard that call of duty the new war zone that's coming out is going to do the similar thing with the phone number requirements so mm. i'm hoping this isn't like a thing for all mm. these online games moving forward though it could also just be an abk thing so like uh coming from higher up in the the abk like mantra being like oh we have to have phone numbers for all our users right yeah yeah they're all under that battle net system now yeah exactly um so look i mean they are going to be compensating uh players um with some free skins and access to heroes and stuff like that to make up for it but i mean when you have a game as big as overwatch 2 that launches and you want it to be smooth and you want everyone talking about it as in a positive light having situations like this is just not a good start um and then i, I played overwatch 2 and i was like this is just overwatch 1 <laughs> i I really understand what's changed, but um, that's a whole other story for another day. Now, a big trailer released during PAX weekend uh, that got everybody talking uh, for both good and bad reasons. The Super Mario Brothers movie got its first trailer with Jack Black as the voice of Bowser and Chris Pratt as Mario amongst a star-studded cast. Um, Lots of people are already kind of hating on Chris Pratt for his take on Mario, even though the little Italian plumber only says a couple of little lines in the trailer itself. Um, what did we think of the trailer? Did we did we think it's going to be a good movie? What do we think of Chris Pratt, good or bad? What's you the know, vibe? You know what was great, what I loved, is that penguin scene 
You know what I mean? So the penguins throw these snowballs at Bowser and they wheel out this like snowball cannon, which yeah. obviously has no effect. But the highlight is the penguin king guy just seems so committed. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm going to bring down like a rain of fire on Bowser or of snow. Yeah. But you know what I mean? He's like, do you yield? And you know, and you can see that the penguin guy really means it as well. He's like, I'm going to take you out, Bowser, if you don't get the hell away from my castle. Yeah. Um, that's think, great. That's great. That's a good sign that mm, it'll hopefully be funny. I mean, mm. I laughed at that bit of the trailer when it's got the loop snowballs and Bowser's just standing there like, what? Um, and then they wheel out <laughs> the cannon slowly. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, people I showed the trailer to who are non-gamers as well, like, giggled at that, you know? So I think, you know, it's, it seems to have nailed that at least. What do you think of Chris Pratt, Lisa? Are you, are you on board with Pratt as Mario? Um, oh, I think he's a bit of a problematic character, to be honest. IRL, um, yeah, not Mario. In, in real, in real yeah. life, yeah, I don't really see him as Mario. But then it's like, I don't know. I haven't watched the trailer, to be honest. Does oh. he put on? Does he put on an Italian accent? No, it's just Chris Pratt. Which I kind of don't. Mario. Yeah, I kind of don't <laughs> mind that because I think that I think he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Like if he does put an Italian accent on, I think that people will be like, oh, that's quite, you know, racist to be doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think he can win. And also, I, I feel like he's not a guy that is kind of well-liked at the moment. He's, I feel like he's kind of all, like, he's been in too many places and people are getting a bit sick of him. I think we can all agree that they probably should have just brought back Bob Hoskins. You know, yeah. one of, from the first movie, or good old Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> or even just like his voice actor from the games, you know? Like yeah, just. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if Chris Pratt was the right right choice. But yeah, mm. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to watch it. Well, he's got yeah. big shoes to fill. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I mean, Nick, like, you know, being on the other side, like making games, right? And you have voice talent in games yeah. and, you know, you cast them for certain reasons and they're great. And then, you know, there's a movie version of your game and then they're like, oh, we're going to cast, like, big name actor instead. We're not going to use your voice actor or whatever. Like, what, what's your take on this? Like, should they have used the original voice actors? Well, I mean, I, I don't know enough about film production and how much, like, the talent matters for acquisition of, like, audience, but, like, that is my uh, cynical guess, is that, like, they're making choices based on the audience who are going to watch the movie or, like, the parents who are going to take their kids to see this movie. Um but yeah, I think as a creator, I would have been pretty upset. Like we, in American Dream, we worked with, um, oh shoot, I forgot his name. Uh, he's a, but he is a TV actor. Uh, he's a TV and uh, animated film actor, but he also does games work. Yeah. Because um, he did the the character Buddy Washington. Um, but yeah, we probably would have ended up having to recast him if we did a film based on the American Dream. Uh even though I think he would have done an exceptional job in that film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even in the trailer itself, they sort of throw out all these big names and the cast and stuff. We don't know how the rest are going to sound, right? You've got... So, yeah, Chris Pratt as Mario, Jack Black as Bowser. You've got Anya Taylor-Joy um, from Queen's Gambit uh, as Princess Peach. Um, you've got Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. <laughs> I know. Why is Donkey Kong there? Well, I don't know. Like I haven't watched the movie yet. <laughs> Donkey Kong's a cool dude. Why shouldn't he be there, Colby? Jeez. Um, I can't see Yoshi on the cast list, which concerns me. Um, not that he says much, but um, you know, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, interesting, right? <laughs> I think uh, I, did, I did like Jack Black's performance as Bowser from the trailer. Like, that kind of worked. In fact, I didn't even really notice it was him straight away. It just kind of sounded good. And I saw it was Jack Black. I was like, oh, yeah, I see it now. And... Bowser's kind of that big, dumb, silly villain style that Jack Black, I think, pulls off pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm pretty keen on that. But yeah, I mean, we'll see how it looks. It comes out April 7th next year. There'll be obviously bigger trailers. Big beef I had was at the end. He's like, Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. 
here we come. That, that's a bit wrong. Here we come. It's here we go. Like, what is that? <clears throat> that seemed... Am I the only one that bothered? Yeah, okay. I didn't notice. It's a pretty weak ending to a trailer. It was just a weird... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't buy it. I thought... It wouldn't, Mario wouldn't say that. You know, not my Mario. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to move on. Uh, <laughs> big announcement from... Um, Meta, uh, of course, people are really excited about the next MetaQuest headset. Um, the next one, the MetaQuest Pro. It's been kind of uh, in the works for a while. We knew it was coming. We knew there would be a, a sort of a better, bigger, bolder version of the MetaQuest and the MetaQuest 2, which launched a couple of years ago. Um, but it's pretty expensive. Um, so the MetaQuest Pro will be releasing for... $2,500 Australian. That's spicy. It is a, sp- that, a spicy, is a spicy price tag. Yeah. That, that was the price of my first car. I mean, <laughs> even though it was an absolute piece of crap, like I paid that much for a 91 Nissan Pulsar and it was like, I loved it. But yeah, I and I, and I you know, rode it around for a few years, but yeah. Nah. Okay, hear me out. Okay, you, took that car to, you, you took that car to drive to work, right? The Zuck is expecting yeah. you to take that MetaQuest to take you to work. Okay, how would because so they want they want you to work in the metaverse. Oh, oh, see, see, I'm a teacher, so yeah, that's that's not going to well, you work. Could, your you kids could, all you have headsets, head and you could all just do classes on look on online. Meta. Online schooling was a big disaster. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, true. So like, no cameras on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're still um, in recovery for that. Whole I really experience. am. I really am. But look, I mean, it is a huge price though when you consider the MetaQuest Two um, retails for around the six hundred ish six hundred dollar mark mm. for Australians. Um, that's roughly what I paid for mine a couple of years ago. Like, you know, the MetaQuest Pro being, you know, five times that price, basically, it it is a really huge jump. Is it supposed to be five times better? I mean, it's meant to be really good. Um, I mean... A premium product? I mean, Nick, you (laughs) obviously um, developed a really cool VR game, um, The American Dream. Uh, Mm -hmm. What what does this mean to you in terms of the MetaQuest Pro and what they're saying they're going to be able to do? Yeah, I mean, I have this feeling this this product is not targeted at any of us, right? It's targeted at people who either work in an office and then want to use it for work. I'm sorry, I'm making a face, but I can't uh, communicate that. Uh, (laughs) And then um, it's also targeted at like the super... You know how people who buy like the new GPU when that comes out for their PC? Mm, And you're like... That GPU, when the the prices were in very high, it was like two three thousand dollars just for a GPU. Yeah. I think it's targeted at that person. Right, you know? mm, it's sense. like the person who buys the Vive and a big PC to do VR. That's like three or four thousand dollars. Yeah, you're right. right. And I mean, this is you know the whole MetaQuest thing is the fact that it is um, standalone. You don't need to plug yeah. it into a PC. So I mean, the idea of um, and that's why I love the Quest in general. And the Quest Two has been such a great headset for me. Um, I didn't have a big beefy PC that could run VR games, but the Quest Two runs them all natively as a standalone system, which is fantastic. Um, but you're right. The MetaQuest Pro seems targeted much, much, much higher. Uh, it's the first entry in their new high end line of devices it will include high-res sensors for robust mixed reality experiences crisp lcd displays for sharp visuals a new sleek design plus eye tracking and natural facial expressions to help your avatar reflect you more naturally in vr um 
It's available for purchase from October 25th, so that's like next week. So it's going to be a quick announcement, quick availability. Um, yeah, but it's a huge price tag. I know for myself, even though I play a lot of VR and I love VR, I can't see myself investing 2500 in one of these headsets straight away. Well, especially if you already have one, right? Like well, it's, yeah. It's not gonna, you're not going to make the mm. jump because it's not going to make the games that are there better. It's all the features it offers are things for workspaces. Yeah. But do you mm-hmm. think, I mean, there'll be games in the future that will be like, this is a Quest Pro exclusive game because it utilizes oh, technology. Do you I, reckon they'll bother with that? I don't think they will because I think there is also, I think there's hardware coming out after this that is more consumer braid sure. or like consumer targeting. So I, I can see my Quest 1 that I use at home going out of uh, out of circulation, but the Quest 2 I see saying that around for a while and then Quest whatever, Quest 3 comes out. Yeah, you're right. Quest 3, yeah. I mean, I hope so. I don't want to have to deal with upgrading my Quest 2 already. So I'm yes. kind, of, kind of happy with what I've got in that sense. And it still works great and I still love it. I mean, I know it's not as... Um, pretty some of the games as they can look on pc like i know it's limited by being this kind of sort of standalone hardware but it does the job so um there are some other cool things happening in the in the vr space of course as well um we are going to see uh apparently meta has acquired um some companies including um camouflage who made the marvel's iron man vr um armature studio uh which made resident evil 4 vr and also twisted pixel which made path of the warrior and wilson's heart so that's you know three acquisitions that meta has now got under their under their wing um they're also going to have um among us vr which people are pretty excited about checking out i'm still curious how among us is going to go in vr because i mean on the among us at the moment you've got the map that you can kind of see everything and you kind of know where things are I i feel like in vr it might be a bit discombobulating yeah, and are the graphics going to kind of be the same as well? Like, are they kind of because they're kind of like quite basic? So. They look kind of cel shaded. It's like a cel cool. shaded full three D yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although I'm yes. kind of curious on like murdering other people in VR through Among Us, like immersive, <laughs> immersive. Great, really imagine. visceral, <laughs> yeah. like really gory, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, super yeah. intense yeah, horror. It's, it's no longer a family friendly game. <laughs> yeah, that's all over. Uh, even being ejected as an imposter, you're like just stuck in space. Brutal. Um, that's the big news of the week. Stay with us here on Checkpoint. We're going to be taking you through the big games coming out, uh, and then we are going to get stuck into. All things PAX and all things Samurai Punk right here on Checkpoint on Joy. Looking for some more awesome Checkpoint goodness? We have a huge range of podcasts available to listen to on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you enjoy premium podcasts. All our previous shows and exclusive content is available. You can even listen to us while you game. Just search for Checkpoint on Joy and download new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. New games are released each week and sometimes it's hard to keep them straight. Checkpoint has you covered. Let's sneak a peek at what's coming up. Yeah, we're getting stuck into the games coming out. The week starting Monday, October 17th. Quite a big week in gaming. On October 18th, we have Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed coming to PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series XS. Four proton pack-wielding Ghostbusters attempt to catch a ghost haunting unique locations in asymmetrical multiplayer battles online or offline. As players progress, they will unlock cosmetics and upgrades for both Ghostbusters and ghosts to evolve their gameplay experiences. Whether hunting or haunting, the game is easy to learn and fun to master. And also on October the 18th, we have a Plague Tale Requiem coming to PC, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, and Switch. 
embark on a heart-rending journey into a brutal, breathtaking world and discover the cost of saving those you love in a desperate struggle for survival. Strive from the shadows or unleash hell with a variety of weapons, tools and unearthly powers. And on October 20th, we have Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope coming to Switch. Team up with Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, Rabbid Peach, Rabbid Luigi and their friends on a galactic journey to defeat a malevolent entity and save your spark companions. Explore planets throughout the galaxy as you uncover mysterious secrets and compelling quests. And also on the 20th of October, we have the Jackbox Party Pack 9 coming to PC, PS4 and 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S and Switch. Introducing the ninth installment of the best-selling Party Pack franchise you know and love. Whether you're hanging out with friends, having a remote happy hour, trying to make the holidays less awkward or looking for your next game to stream, the Jackbox Party Pack 9 is here to spice things up. We also have on October 21st, Gotham Knights coming to PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Batman is dead. A new expansive criminal underworld has swept the streets of Gotham City. It is now up to the Batman family to protect Gotham, bring hope to its citizens, discipline to its cops, and fear to its criminals. From solving mysteries that connect the darkest chapters in the city's history to defeating notorious villains in epic confrontations. And also on the 21st of October, we have New Tales from the Borderlands coming to PC, PS4 and 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S and Switch. Decide the fates of altruistic scientist Anu, her ambitious streetwise brother Octavio, and the fierce froget slinging Fran. Claw and con your way through five thrilling chapters as you take a stand against ruthless corporate overlords in this narrative-driven adventure. Yes, and these are the games coming out the week starting Monday, October 17th. It's um, it's quite a big week in games. Ooh. Packs and then this, seriously. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> what are they doing to us? <laughs> I know. Give us a break. Know, right? uh, Nick, out of the games on this list, um, do any in particular catch your eye? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm actually kind of keen for Gotham Knights. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I met some. I think I met the lead designer during Games Week who was here. All right. Um, Osama, and he was talking about the, the experience working on the game. Um, but yeah, it looks really cool. I mean, there's a, it compared to the Arkham games, which you only ever played as. Batman, right? Mm. So, like, it'd be cool to try the different variety of characters. And, uh, yeah, it just looks neat. Yeah, it's a cool mix of characters in the game as well. Um, They all have different gameplay styles. So you've got Batgirl, Robin, uh, Red Hood, and Nightwing. Um, So they're all very different kinds of characters as well. And the way they kind of interact with the world and each other looks quite different. Um, I like that this is co-op as well. The whole campaign is playable with two-player co-op. It is two players, not four, which might be confusing given there's four team members in the Gotham Knights. Um, But yeah, I mean, it has that kind of Arkham-style combat that people really like. And a big open world of Gotham to explore. So, yeah, I guess if you're a fan of DC, this could be one to keep an eye on. Uh, Colby, what what leaps out at you? You know what surprised me is uh, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. Um, Because when I thought asymmetrical multiplayer battles, for some reason I thought it was like sort of like, you know, three quarters looking down thing. But it looks sort of first person. It looks cool. Are you thinking isometric? Yeah, I know. Yes, not asymmetric. Um, yes, exactly. I get the confused all the time too. To I, I, I have great. Elliot English. always pulls me up on it. <laughs> so such um, an Elliot thing to do. But yeah, I mean, it looks cool. I mean, yeah, again, playing as Ghostbusters, you know, playing as ghosts as well, um, definitely has some potential. We've seen a few games in this kind of asymmetrical multiplayer space over the last several years. You know, including, of course, Dead by Daylight. I'm going to be honest. One. I don't know what that means. 
It's like um, you have one player versus four, for example. Uh-huh. So it's like imbalanced. oh, so one's the ghost. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, like what Evolve did back in the day yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's what asymmetrical means. So in this case, yeah, someone's the ghost. Others are the Ghostbusters hunting them down. The ghost, I guess, is trying to damage them and play tricks on them and mess them around. And Hopefully, stuff like there's that. a one player mode. I think there is offline modes as well. Yeah, I don't okay. know if it's all multiplayer. Not sure. But I mean, I will say it looks like a different take on this kind of asymmetrical multiplayer that we've seen. Uh, we've seen a lot of horror games do it, and this looks to be a bit more It looks silly. more fun than I thought it would. Yeah, ghosts are like possessing items and running around. Um, like at one point, they've possessed a mop bucket, and they're just like skating, skating around the place and being <laughs> silly. And of course, the ghosts in Ghostbusters, they're all, they all look a bit kind of goofy and kind of creepy and colourful in their own way. So, I mean, yeah, there's this potential for this one, for sure. Lisa? Um, I am loving the look of new tales from the Borderlands. Yes. Yeah. Um, I got to interview the the lead um, narrative specialist on on Tales from the Borderlands um, a few months ago, and I was just I was really stoked um, talking to her because she was just so excited and she showed this genuine love for for the characters. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to to getting in and and seeing what this story holds for these three unique characters. Yeah. Now remind me. So t- new Tales from the Borderlands mm-hmm. was back in the day like a Telltale thing, wasn't it? It was. But yeah. now this is new tales in the borderlands and gearbox yeah. are developing it Is yeah that right? yeah so it's it's like it's kind of it connects back so it, it's it's not a, a shooter like the borderlands one through three or choice based narrative yeah it's choice based narrative so there's not that much um action going on it's it's um also oh what i always get confused about what you call it but Quick time, like you, you know, you press this button, and if and if you don't press yeah, it, quick time events. Yeah, yeah, quick time yeah. events. That's it. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there as well. But they're really, um, they really love accessibility, uh, and they want to make it accessible to everyone. So if you go to features, you can actually kind of delete that aspect from the gameplay as well, or you could just press it, and it won't be like a quick time event. But okay. Yeah. Cool. So I really like that as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, Tales from the Borderlands is a very loved title. Uh, I've seen a lot of clips from that game that people really enjoyed. Mm. Uh, really strong entries. So, yeah, new Tales from the Borderlands. I mean, it looks really cool. Um, and, yeah, I guess full review of that one uh, up on CheckpointGaming.net next week, Lisa. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um I guess for me, I mean, it's such a cool week, but I am really excited about a Plague Tale Requiem. Um, a Plague Tale Innocence um, wasn't one that I originally played when it first came out, but I later gave it a go once they added it to Game Pass. And I love that game. Uh, you know, it's mm. set during a plague, uh, if the title didn't give it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have all these rats all throughout the city. And basically, the rats are scared of light. So you're constantly thinking about light source and how you can use, like, torches with the flames um, and other mechanisms to avoid getting basically eaten alive by these rats. And then you have to use them to solve puzzles, so there'll be areas where you need to manoeuvre the rats to get around environments. You're not sort of super strong at combat, or at least you weren't in the first one. So, you know, you played as a young girl with her little brother Hugo, you had to hold his hand and pull him along with you. And so you had to kind of cleverly direct the rats to attack the kind of guards and stuff for you so it was like an interesting take on like a horror game lots of puzzles and lots of different ways of kind of interacting with the world to try and yeah i guess survive and use the rats who are your biggest enemy but also use them to your advantage in combat as well so the first one was great 
I'm so excited they've done a sequel. Um, I'm playing a trailer in the room and some rats just burst around a corner and Nick's face just like lit up in, in, in fear and disgust, which is great. I'm disgusted at the rendering technology involved in making those rats look good. <laughs> yeah, just so many rats. Um, yeah, definitely. It looks really cool. Um, I can see in this one as well, main character Amicia, she's got like a bit of a, um, uh, what's the gun that shoots arrows? I can't think of the word. A crossbow? Crossbow! Thank you. Words are hard. Um, yeah, Playtime Requiem looks really cool and it's on Game Pass Day 1 so yeah check it out next week what else have we got um, oh, Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope I mean this is a sequel that no one really expected but is absolutely <laughs> happening uh, it's like XCOM with Mario and the Rabbids from Ubisoft so it's a turn based tactics game Rabbid Peach is back um, arguably one of the most controversial characters in video game history she's like Peach but more annoying and takes lots of selfies um, <laughs> but yeah I mean the first Mario and Rabbids game was really fun and the new one looks to I guess take that to the next level and have some bigger bolder maps and yeah I know a lot of people including Charlie um, from our team are super excited to play this one anybody else play the first Mario and Rabbids in the room? I've seen it being played um, it, they pulled it off you know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of become a franchise in itself, which is good. Well, because XCOM is so dark and has like permadeath and is very, very serious. And then Sparks of Hope is like, it's set in Mario world. So it's like beautiful and colorful and kind of silly and no one dies. They just get like knocked out kind of thing. So it's definitely a, a cutesy take, but don't let it fool you. Some of those combat scenarios are still quite challenging, mm. even though it looks really cute. Um, and the last one on the list, it's kind of like old reliable at this point, but Jackbox Party Pack 9. I, I can't believe we're at a ninth bundle of these silly games. Um, almost a new bundle every year at this point. But yeah, Jackbox is one of those games. You've probably played them before, seen them before, if you're listening. Uh, you play with your phone, so you can log on, and it's like there's trivia stuff, or there's like social games where you have to interact with your friends, or you have to be funny, so you've got to come up with like funny answers to things, and everyone votes on the funniest answers. And yeah, this is um, the next party pack, which includes a bunch more games, and um, I guess, yeah, with these packs, I find, I don't know if you'll agree, Lisa, but like... There's usually, like, a couple of really good ones and then yeah. a couple of, like, kind of forgettable ones that don't last. Yeah, exactly. And, and I love, like, when you when you boot it up, how, like, people have different opinions on each game. They're just like, oh, no, nah, we should play that one. No, no, that's not good. Let's play it. This one's the best one. And, um, yeah, because we've, we've had a few quite um, – I know that we had a good time at your place one night playing um, – Jackbox, it was it was a lot of fun, and it's, it's always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's always yeah, enjoyable, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then some games yeah. you play once, you're like, cool, never doing that again. Yeah, and then exactly. other ones you like and want to spend more time. So I saw this mm. one includes a Fibbage Four, uh, and Fibbage is kind of one of the long on, long term favorite Jackbox mm. games where you have to yeah you get a keyword and there's a blank in a, in a line and you have to like come up with a funny response basically and try and trick everybody, which always results in some silliness. But um yeah, Jackbox Playback Nine. Absolutely jam-packed week of games that are coming out. Stay with us here on Checkpoint. We're going to dive into packs from last weekend, along with our special guest Nick from Samurai Punk, talking all about Justice Sucks and much, much more, right here on Checkpoint on Joy. You've been listening to a Joycast of Checkpoint on Joy 94.9. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher.
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.